Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers Retired Talks Integrity. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Wednesday. Isn't that amazing? It is Wednesday, and I'm looking for the date. 17th. I should know that, but I didn't see it real quick. So Wednesday, the 17th of January, and we are in another state of crazy in the world because that's what the world does so well these days. Literally is a time when everything time you think you got something to be stable on, they want to flip the script. And right now with the World Economic Forum pressing and Devos going on, they want you to know that you are going to have all your rights taken away when they decide to, that you have no rights, according to them, that if they decide that if they're going to have a pandemic, which they would invent, you're also going to have to take an injection. And at the same time, you're going to have to eat sea bugs. And they want you to know this because they want you to believe so absolutely fully that there's no possible hope for anything because they are the great overlords of the world. They want you to worship them. They want you to pander to them. They want you to listen to them like they are gods themselves. <laughs> Problem is, there's a whole bunch of people in this world that are awake and they're saying, no way. And that's literally where we are. And that's essentially one of those great voices we're going to hear tonight. That's Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, former Special Forces Lieutenant Colonel, who was also a whistleblower, stood up against the vaxes, given his life for this nation, and is now leading the fight with a man, a horse, and a dog down on the border to save this nation from invasion. And it's amazing. His story is great always, and his integrity is above reproach. He's also a signer on the 231. So... It's honored to have him on, and we'll introduce him here in just a moment. One thing, patriots, like it or not, we are dealing with psychopathic pedophile elites, and they will do anything to cover their crimes. They will even try to invoke a world war so that we all get to die for their cause of raping children and trafficking drugs. Bottom line, the world economy is falling apart, and the only ones that are benefiting are these elites, and they don't want you to realize that they have been pillaging everything you know and everything you do your whole life. So what would you do if you were them? Well, you'd do something like drop an EMP, maybe do some weather warfare, cause a lot of night lightning strikes. What you'd want to do is burn out grid systems. And what you want to do is protect yourself when that happens. And that's why we have EMPShield.com. EMP Shield. It is literally the best device on the market. It's a veteran-owned company. It's an American-made product. It is tested at the best American labs for EMP level 1, 2, and 3. Also for lightning strikes and also for solar flares. So it's designed to go into your system so you can attach it to your circuit breaker box in your house. Easy to install. It covers your whole house. You can put it in your vehicles. Easy to install. I have them on, on mine. You can put them on your ATVs, your RVs. You can have it installed with your, your standalone generator, your solar systems, your ham base radio stations, even your RVs. This is all designed to keep your systems operating because like it or not, one of the greatest traps they ever did on humanity was to make us dependent on these chips and circuit boards and electronics, which we can't easily replace and we can't repair ourselves. So we have to make precautions, especially in this time of war, for the crazy things that these fools might do. 
And so that's why we have EMPShield.com. So head on over to EMPShield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. You're going to get $50 off and free shipping. Great product. Fantastic product. And it's worth having one on all your main systems that you rely on. And I do. And so I'm speaking honestly from testimony of why I carry, why I promote this product because it's great. It's easy to install. And it's the, from all the testing certifications, it's the one that works. You can also check all those out on their website. They have an amazing resource library. So again, head on over to EMPShield.com. Use your promo code BARDS. That gives you $50 off and free shipping. Worth every bit of it. Fantastic product. Okay. Integrity. A lot to say about integrity. And, and Pete's got a really powerful word he's going to share tonight, not just once, but twice. He'll share it midway in the interview and then later at the end. Listen carefully to it. It has a lot to do with integrity. We read it this morning as well on the morning show. But what's really important is to understand that one of the problems we're facing right now is the, is the issue of moral integrity. And our country is bankrupt at this moment. We have people in every tiers of government that are literally just going along and complying with tyranny. We have no spine on people on the border. On the border, We have no spine with people in our government. We have cubicle warriors all over the place that are just writing more legislation, more, more rules, more laws, anything they can do to try to get more control. Because honestly, at this point in time, they're panicked. They're starting to realize that they aren't in as much control as they thought they were. And people are waking up and people are, are pissed, to be honest with you. They're just unhappy, and, and rightfully so, because the government has been pillaging not only everything in our lives, but now it's decided that they're going to open our borders and violate the Constitution and let people flow in. And then we have that big elephant in the middle of the room. It's called the vax or the death shot. And we have people dying or being hospitalized or being injured by this every single day. And it's a long-term issue. It is not even finished its, its full course of run yet. And the problem with it is, is the public has been so inoculated with the fear-based fear programming, they can't even see what's happening. They're not realizing that when somebody suddenly erupts with cancer, it has nothing to do with long COVID. It has everything to do with that thing you stuck in your arm. When somebody is dying of a brain tumor and an aneurysm or a heart murmur or a myocarditis, there's a big one. It's not about suddenly erupting out of nowhere because somehow magic long COVID got everybody sick. It's because they put this stuff in them and they injected in them, and now they're pushing for more. We're at a very critical time, which we have to make a decision, and that is literally whom we serve and what we're willing to sacrifice. Now, I want to read before we get going tonight, Psalm 33. It begins, sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. Praise in is, becoming, is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with the harp and of ten strings. Sing of him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done faithful with faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays upon the depths of the storehouse. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart for generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. 
The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by the great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, and for those on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. This particular hour we are in is an hour which if we are not praising God for all things, we are failing. And this is why we are here. We've literally stepped away from our Father. We've tried to wander in a desert thinking that somehow we would, it's good enough to go to church on Sunday, get saved, call it a day, do what you want to do in the week, week and then come back again and get a little refresher. It's like changing the oil once in a while. And unfortunately, our faith has become like that. Here's the darkness. Our enemy's faith is disciplined. Our enemy gets up in early mornings. They go through drills of incantations, of sacrifice, of all sorts of ritual things, and they discipline against war because they hate you. They hate me. And they so desire to take control of this world away from those foolish Christians, those ones that have the true and one God. They believe they can because those of faith have proven to be weak. They aren't standing with the God. And they will tell you this. They know that our God is the one God, the God of great power. But they will also tell you Christians have no power because they don't truly believe. All of this I shape for tonight's interview. Because tonight you're going to talk to a man who's truly on the point of the spear. This is Lieutenant Colonel Retired Pete Chambers, Special Forces. And in the true heart of a Green Beret, he faces an enemy outnumbered. He faces an enemy he's outgunned. He faces an enemy that is overwhelming him at the border, and yet he knows one thing, that it is victory or it's death. And yet in all things he does, he walks with God in his heart. He seeks the counsel of our Lord in everything he does. He listens to his dreams. He prays with intercessors. He walks with the mightiness in his heart, and he speaks the word of the gospel. And he still wields the sword of steel as much as he wields the sword of the Spirit. This is a man of inspiration. It's one who should be leading all things in our nation. And it's one you need to listen to because in these dark times and these times when it seems like things are starting to overwhelm, we have to realize that we actually have the upper, upper hand, not because we have numbers, but because those of true faith are the ones that God seeks to win the war. So with that, patriots, allow me this evening to introduce you to my good friend, a professional par excellence, a man who literally has the heart of, a, of the best of the Green Berets, Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers. Well, Patriots, we're very honored today to once again have Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers retired, a.k.a. Doc. This man has literally given his life not only to the defense of the United States abroad in uniform, but he's given his career and sacrificed his career to protect soldiers, and now he's down on the border and is also a co-signer on the Military Letter of Accountability or doc, uh, the Declaration of Military Accountability, also known as the DMA, or the 231. And as he said, that whole thing that he's doing on the border, which is significant, simply began with a man on a horse and a dog. This is Pete, never being 
stopped by the, the impossible and always overcoming what seems to be impossible to lead. And so, Pete, great to have you on today. How are you? It's good to be back. You know, I know we attempted to get on a couple weeks before and it just didn't work out, but I'm glad to, glad to be back. Oh, thank you. Let's start with the most obvious, what's going on down at the border. You're there. Right. So what we got going on the border, uh, have you ever heard of the term a kayfabe? Uh, it's a, that's an old wrestling term when they, when the guy would throw the chair and he would act like he was upset and the other guy would jump over and then later on they'd go have a drink, right? These guys are all buddies in the background. That's what's going on on the border right now. Uh, between uh, the state in, in the, the occupying of, uh, there's a park down that they're, they're occupying in Eagle Pass, Shelby Park. It looks good. It's it's a very good optic, and it and it is it is you know it is an optic, and optics do work in some degrees, but it's also a uh, it, it's an optic. It's not effective. So really, we're we're just playing whack a mole once again, and just moving on, on on up the line towards where where I was. I'm, I've moved away from there right now, but a little town called Kimato, Texas, uh, which is next to Normandy, which is where the the low water is on the Rio Grande. So it's just pushing it. And, you know, this is. Uh, the numbers are still increased. We're still looking at three, four times what it was when I was on the border in uniform a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, there's been a lot more, um, as we talked about last time, and, and and other people have alluded to, the the percentages of male, the demographics, the the fighting age male stuff is is legitimate. I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying this to scare people. It's just it's just a fact of what it is. Those are the numbers. So we're looking at all that and. Uh, to me, I, I look at the most dangerous course of action, and and uh, hey, that alligator's real close to the canoe. Pete, this is disturbing on a number of levels. Um, obviously, the depth of corruption is unprecedented, and the willfulness to go along with it. Let's talk about that. Right, uh, the willfulness to go along with it. That that is uh, that's when you don't really know who's on your side. You know, willfulness to go along, and and. Um, you know, we have some friends, mutual friends as well, that are border border patrol agents um, who have stood stood up and have done what they believe is the right thing. And I've seen it down here, and they get squashed when they do it. Uh, you know, the, it, it's just what's happening. And it's, this is all part of, which I love, you know, former Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller and his exposés are, are amazing to, to listen to on Substack, but the one that got me, the one that first said, this guy knows what he's talking about was that moral injury one. And we're seeing that across the board, you know, and in moral injury, I promise you that if, if people would turn their face to God, we would have obviously much and much less moral injury. So when you started, you know, and this, this trickles down all the way and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place right now because it is, it is all over the place. Uh, when our chaplaincy couldn't pray or use Jesus' name, when our when our soldiers uh, were sent to behavioral health over uh, counseling, when uh, when that was weaponized, as we see that continue, um, this is this is this is a moral injury. So now this is across the board. That's a, that's my industry or that's my institution that I know as a military. But now I'm seeing it across all institutions: the medical industry, uh, you know, the, the financial industry. There's a moral injury in the fact that that a lot of people are literally worship, worshiping things of Satan and don't even know it. The con bigger concern here is that there's 
obviously a new hope in the political space that President Trump is going to become the victor in 2024. And there's even more chatter on that in, in the media. Mm-hmm. But if you have people right now who are willfully compliant in the crimes against the nation, the crimes against humanity, in trafficking right. children, allowing people to come across, doing orders that are obviously against the Constitution, even if he directs a closing of borders and a reset, how do you think that's going to play out? Well, you know, it's it's going to play out like it has been playing out ever since, you know, the first go around he was in. You know, when, when you put in the system of the uh, bureaucracy, the bureaucrats, now in the, in the military, they look like the uh, senior executive services folks. They are the continuity of bad policy. I mean, I'm just going to have to just be straightforward. The continuity of bad policy. And, uh, and what that policy has led to now is this porous border and, and, you know, in this discussion that we're having now, but so many other things. And, you know, and it's, it's just, uh, it's overwhelming at times. And you feel like a, you know, kid with a finger in the dike and the water's still filling up the boat, you know, or around you. And so here you are down there, really, you and a handful of guys, you're trying to set up a strategy and a a line that ultimately it may fall just on you. Is that fair enough? Well, it's fall on me and, I, you know, I mean, the band, my band of merry men, but there are other people out there now. You know, when you work in a, in a space, in an area of responsibility, you run into the other parties that are out there. And there are some other great Americans that are uh, working quietly. Um, there are others that uh, are just out of necessity you know, standing up, uh, run into a lady. We're going to go visit back with her again, you know, 80 something years old on a rocket chair with a shotgun, 400 meters from Rio Grande that, uh, is trying to keep her, her food pantry alive for the women's shelter, uh, because cartel comes, tries to buy it, coerce to, you know, strong arm. And so these are the things, these people are standing up for themselves. And I think it's just, it's upon us, those that, uh, that stand up for what's right. You know, I'm, had discussion with my son about this. You know, he's about to go into uh, you know the 18 X-ray program and last night. And I, I said, son, you know, you're going into a program in the, in the military which is is broken, but we need people like you there. You know, at the upper levels, it's broken. But he believes, and we believe that there there has to be people in the ranks to fix that. But I said, but you have to realize, son, that the same thing is happening in law enforcement. The same thing is happening in in government, you know, these these bad actors who are these continuity people that are continuing it on, getting back to your original question, uh, are making it a lot harder for us. But the the thread, the, the true, the very thread of America, which is not a blue or a red thread, just a thread, is is still alive. It's still being held together. It's just a thread right now. You know, it's not a chain link fence as we once were or a, a wall. But it's still there, and they, and because of people like you know, I say my son who's going to go do that. I know his character, and I and because of these people that I run into out there in the uh, back country, uh, and these little old ladies on rocking chairs. Because of those people, there's still a there's still hope for me. Yeah. Do you think that in the event of a breakdown on the border to the point of conflict, which this is just the more we play with this fire, it seems like that's almost an inevitable outcome that right. the turning will bring some of those current uh, traitors and even the people that are supporting this, this treason over to our side. 
or will we be in conflict with them? No, I, I, you know, I don't, whether we're in conflict with them, I think that there's a, uh, there's a word that I got and I'm probably going to bring it up right now because I think this is the place, you know, based upon that, that line of reasoning, that questioning, um, there through intercessors and, and people that have been praying with me, you know, there was a, there was a series of things that came to us as a, as a group that really ended up being a warning to the warriors. And this really is going to hit nail on the head right here. We'll give it at the end as well to leave people with this is that, so this is three of us together. Um, remember that one time when the coward rode in, when the threat and the danger had been abated, then tried to pretend like they missed it. They missed that battle. You know, it's just that scene from Gladiator. Rather than avoided it, they missed it. You know, here comes the old, the emperor's son, and you know he missed it. Then, then you have to know that these cowards are not neutral. Okay, they will they will murder their own flesh and blood to get what they want, and yours as well if you don't stop them in their tracks. And then the second part of this is false religion and religious power brokers will try to glom on to those courageous warriors now as we start to gain momentum. This is not Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of love and courage. But religion is dead and is a coward. And, and as this, a coward will attempt to murder anything or anyone it cannot control. Now, if we're operating in love and courage, just bear in mind, warriors, that that false religion will 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 try to control that. So then it gets to mine, and I shared this with you the other day, Scott. Is watch yourselves now, watch your brothers and sisters. All other evil is child's play compared to the evil that murdered Christ. The Pharisees, false pastors of his day, put him on that cross. Hear, perceive, and understand. Powerful word. I think it's really reflecting very deeply the level of the moral bankruptcy that we're dealing with and the willfulness to fill it with false gods, false idols, and false beliefs. Your thoughts? Mm, yeah. I mean, the false, I think the first one is, I, I, as I say, when I go into the spiritual warfare mindset is the false, well, the liar within us, within me, that's the first battle that you've got to defeat. That'll, that liar will tell you you're no good. That liar will tell you you have no business being in this. That liar will tell you that you're more comfortable at home, you know, with your uh, remote and a, and a pitcher of beer. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things. And right now, we don't have time for that. And the true warriors and true people of courage with through, through love and, and fulfillment of Christ and, and courage, um, that, that, that's where we need to be is on that wall. And, and not specifically the border. The walls are, are three-dimensional. I mean, it's it's... It's in your businesses, it's in your schools, it's in your neighborhoods, it's it's everywhere. They, I, I don't even understand how a little tiny town down here in South Texas of 78 people has two, has one witch and one warlock living in it. I mean, what are the odds of that? I mean, these are these are weird times. I don't I don't know how that it how that works. I never would have imagined these little town folks are dealing with that. But they, these that's this dimension. It's everywhere, and uh, you know. Some may say that, uh, well, Doc's lost his mind talking about the spiritual warfare. Well, you know, I, I think it's pretty lucid right now. It's pretty clear. It leads me right into what I was going to ask you. 
you're unique and yet you're also changing a paradigm. You're unique in the fact that you're taking your special forces training and you've added a new layer of skill specialty, which is intercessory prayer and, and spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And it's really redefining the way that we see warfare, in my opinion. You and I have had this exact conversation of what is a new, what does a new A-team look like? Talk a little bit about that part in this fight for you, because I've seen this grow in you significantly and magnificently, in fact, over this last couple of years, and it's really impressive. Yeah, you know, I think it just starts out in bits, bits and pieces. I think when you're open to to listening to it, you'll you'll get it. I mean, and sometimes you you know you uh, you got to be slapped on the side of the head with it. But I believe, and this is what I tell my team, and and I'll and I'll really answer that. But my team, I say, look, we're on a balanced beam of life, and at the end of it's Christ's face. And I don't know where you're out in your walk. If you come into my team here, you know, team room, uh, but as long as you believe that there's something bigger than you, that there's a God, I can, we can work with that. Now we're going to get you to the end of this thing. But if I fall off that beam, you got to pick me up. You fall off it. I, you, you know, we pick you up now. That's our team collective. That's our, that's our kind of our way we, we operate. We put that first, but what has, what has changed is, is the, um, and I think it's why it's happened so quick is, is, uh, the necessity, the exigency of the circumstances, because, you know, I see a lot of things that, that most people don't see just because of my proximity to it. It's, it's not, I'm, I'm not any smarter. I'm just a little bit more, uh, it's in my face. So what I see is, and, and what I can, when I speak to people, speak with authority of ex absolutely what's going on, 100% sure knowledge and realize that, uh, that what we have right now down here, you know, we the people, um, unless we get more we the peoples, is, is just not going to be enough. But it doesn't mean we're going to back off this wall. It just means it's just not going to be enough. But I believe that when uh, when we started, and you said in the beginning, it was just me and the horse and the dog. It's true. I mean, it, it was uh, just helping out friends and landowners. But uh, now we've we've, I can't, you know, I'm going to outrun my headlights as far as being able to support logistically the numbers of volunteers that have come to me. And these are people of faith and these are very, some people, very little faith. But by the end of this, I assure you when they see they're going to be getting a little John the Baptist out there. Well, it's an, it's a critical time. And one in which people need to start realizing the magnitude of what's before them. We've, we share something very important right now, which is our names are on this document of the 231, the yes, Declaration of Military Accountability. Talk right. a little bit about that because this all ties in. Oh, you know, it definitely does. It, it, uh, you know, I'm first of all, I'm proud to know that that there are these people of courage, and then and the ones that are still in uniform are, are taking a more serious uh, approach to have made having made that decision. But let me tell you the 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 pride of, of, of knowing these people, uh, it's just like, uh, I found a new operational detachment to work with. I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're moving forward. So first of all, they're very, very proud to know these people of courage, you know, and, and of course, Rob, uh, you know, we, we, we go back to Rob Green. Uh, we go back a little ways. He, he wrote a book and called me to, to ask my story and I, we shared it and some other stories that he put in his book. 
and uh, behind enemy lines, you know. Uh, and since then, and then of course Brad Miller um, being kind of the spokes spokesperson for this spokes model with that beautiful mane of lion's hair that he has, but uh, <laughs> great guy. But uh, uh, honestly, but a man of man of courage, honor, and I would I would stand on any battlefield side by side with that with that soldier for sure. Um, but the way I look at it, the way that what made me want to sign it instantly, you know, and, and I didn't have very much to do with the, with the penning of it other than just reading it saying, Hey, it looks good to me. But, um, is it's a declaration much like the declaration of independence. And this thing is, is written in such a way it's apolitical. I mean, you read through it and you can argue it all you want, but it's apolitical. This is constitutionally sound shot across the bow against this these broken, and it could go across all institutions, but for us, it's the military uh, that is broken with woke ideology and, and the mandates. Of course, that was the uh, the main fight that I was in. It's why I'm, you know, not still in the shadows anymore. You know, being a whistleblower. But uh, yeah, this is uh, this is otherwise it, our our national defense is is going to wane in the balance. I mean, it, 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 if something like this was not done. Um, it, and it may still wane. I don't know, but it's not going to be because we didn't try. There's a real sense of facing the impossible right now. You're on the frontier of it. I've felt this in my own space, just informationally, when you're mm -hmm. standing up against the Goliaths. And it's right. it takes a lot of deep moral courage. There is still, we're looking for that tipping point when something significant enough happens that people then turn to those who have stood that line, held the gap, stood on the wall when everyone else hasn't, to bring the people to rally at the feet. I think the 231 is beginning to cause some of that, but I think more importantly, it's more about, in my opinion right now, I think the 231 is awakening the true remnant. What's your thought? Yeah, well, right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, we... We saw the, the the numbers grow from the very beginning. You know, let's just say the remnant. Uh, we we've been using that term for a long time. Uh, in that we had kind of had. A, I think the first time I really was talking about it was after the uh, re revelation of the uh, defense medical epidemiology database with Teresa Long, Sam Sigloff, and Mark Bashan. We just said, well, how do you know we're from all over the country and different stories and different you know, ways that they were crushed and I wasn't crushed so bad, but, um, yeah, we, we were remnant and we started talking about this, but then as more and more people were emboldened and we hear these stories, we, we just started bringing them together like good soldiers, you know, good warriors do. And, uh, little groups of paratroopers behind enemy line and just linking up and saying, okay, you know, we just uh, conducted a near and far recognition signal by our discernment. And now, that's that's contagious and, and and it's 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 amazing and so even i mean the other day you and i were driving on the road and i get a i won't say who it is but i get a text from somebody that's that's extremely important to this this fight that we're in and uh completely out of the blue um we had some discussions you know throughout all the mandate stuff in the military but it it, it, it cannot, if, if there are any faith whatsoever in these folks, or even if there's not, the Holy Spirit can work on anybody. I mean, look at Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, we can talk about all kinds of examples of that. But if there's something that's that's still small voice inside saying, hey, I need to, you know, talk to these people. What are they doing? 
That's the beginning of them becoming a remnant if they weren't one already. And so that's that's contagious. It's just that the big picture now, the 40,000 foot view is we, we've been, we're in this marathon race. Unfortunately, you know, the, the, the opponent started at like 23 miles and we're, we're, we're doing like a relay sprint, you know, to catch up, to, to win this race before humanity or our nation is absolved. And so we have to, you know, really push it right now. And there are times when, you know, those of us in the beginning of this are tired and some of these other ones stood in the gap and are you these younger, you know, new guard, I won't say younger, but I mean, in the sense of age for sure compared to me, but this new guard is taking the baton and just, you know, that fresh sprint. So we're catching up. We just got to get to the end. I love that analogy because we do see it a lot in different areas where people come together and you see that fresh energy and you see even a lot of the discoveries that we've had for some time, they are new to them, but you have to step away from that and let that, that old discovery for us be new to them and that energy flow through them because it's refreshing and they may, they may see something we missed. That's the mm, big part. Right. You know, this reminds me like, you know, with this, this analogy of this reinforcements, really, you know, the, the, the bastards of Bastogne, the 101st kind of apropos that Miller come from that, that lineage, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, these guys are out there in wintertime and, uh, it, it, they get reinforced and look, they stood their ground and then they're tired and then they get reinforced, but then they had a follow on mission. So, you know, you got to refit. And so that's, that's the beauty of having this re, this remnant grow is you have time to refit and reset and get back in the fight. What do you see as the impact on the military itself, the existing structure of our command structure of the 231. And I say that because when you really read between the lines of the Declaration of Military Accountability, mm -hmm. what is evident is that every single flag officer violated the law. And so implied in that letter is that every single flag officer is going to be brought under UCMJ and course martial. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this isn't a, a, an accountability letter, and the, what is different in this than other declarations is this has names. You know, the most egregious named. And remember, these are these are uh, in my book. I, I know some of these stories. They are pretty pretty solid, and they they all are so, solid. But these are alleged, and this is what the whole uh, accountability thing does: is it brings people to to uh, the process legally and morally and ethically. To be looked at but this is if it was me if i had the the weight of you know we the people behind 231 signers and then the petition that's out there that's circulating of others that have put their name on the line if i was in uniform and i was that that general officer i would be concerned completely concerned um and i know that you know i would have to deal with a legal moral ethical process but I would be concerned that I was, uh, that I was going to be put in this position where potentially, you know, my my career, uh, you know, that I, I don't, you know, make my, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't make my full retirement. I don't get my retirement benefits. I end up in the, uh, you know, in the brig uh, for crimes against humanity. I don't know any any possibility, but it's going to go through my head. So yeah, I think this should shake them up a little bit. Absolutely. We would hope so. I think that 
indicative of a letter that you posted on your own Telegram site. Mm-hmm. There was a response to that by a retired four-star that was implying that somehow they were going to hold the line against a future coup in the military, which really was a message spoken more to the liberal class since NPR was the one, or was I think it was NPR that wrote the letter or had the thing posted. Right, and that you know that's complete, uh, obviously, uh, very very one sided on that. And that, and I read that, and those generals that are that are involved in that are uh, Obama generals, first of all, very liberal, very woke. Um, you know, not people that focus on war fighting. I'm not concerned about cowards. I mean, so that yeah, that that didn't hit you know shake me up much. But but that tells you tells us one thing that we're over the target uh, with that. Yeah. Well, this is should be as you say a critical time for the military leadership to reflect very deeply. Unfortunately, I think that their first reaction, which is almost predictable for somebody who's in a, a space of guilt and uh, trying to use their power as they've already done was what we've seen in the Navy, which is the discussions we've been having that apparently NCIS has been charged to, to look for those who have signed and charged them with mutiny, which obviously we know the, the punishment for mutiny, which is death. They would love nothing more than to make an example of the few to try to crush this movement. This is where I find the, the very naive and foolish view of generals. They're outdated they're, they're far out of touch in fifth-generation warfare mm-hmm. and still have themselves locked into a Cold War mentality. Right. Yeah, I'd heard I'd heard uh, about that NCIS thing, and I, I, I just, I firmly believe, though, that, uh, you know, but God, first of all, we got that, but, uh, but that that would not be a wise decision. Um, there are signers on this. The, most of us are not in the military. There's, they can't control our our speech. And uh, so that that's one thing. But there are people on here that will be congressmen and, and senators in the future and uh, and state level as well. There There's a few. Um, that would be a bold move to do that across that bow, uh, knowing that you know the, the future legislators would be drafting things that could potentially uh, do the very same thing that that uh, we're attempting to do, which is to bring justice, you know, bring accountability, and probably in a faster uh, manner, and much more post-haste. Well, there's no doubt that it's a, it's a letter that gets to the core of what we face, not only as a military, but as a nation. We have lost our way in terms of leadership. Matter of fact, leadership right. is almost an unknown word these days. And I'm really thinking when we look at the current state of the military, a couple of thoughts come to mind. One is mm-hmm. that in order for us as a nation to remain effective and to really be dominant in our protection of our own republic, we need to clear out the officer class. Having worked with so many of them, and I'm talking flag officer, they've right. been too long in the system and are too out of touch with this sort of highly dynamic, very asymmetric and unpredictable nature of fifth gen and sixth gen warfare. I think as well from a standpoint of corruption and a message to America, if that was able to happen even in a portion, not necessarily the full measure of what we'd like to see, I tend to think that it would shake up the core of the nation to such a degree that we would start to see some rather significant 
directions towards resetting the foundations of this nation back to getting to strengthening moral character. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I envision, you know, if you want to, if we, if, if I were, you know, let's just say I were the secretary of defense, I would literally, uh, first of all, dis dismantle the senior executive uh, staffing positions completely. And then I would dismantle every single general officer I would just remove that was involved in these egregious attacks. Okay, that's that's number one, because that's just that's those are crimes. So we've got to get them out. They're they're obviously morally and ethically challenged. So we've got to get those out. They can't make decisions to for our country, uh, nor would they care about those below them as my first warning, which we'll go through again. It, it said you the coward will never, never take care of those under them. Um, and then then how this looks is, and I want to explain it real quick, how this looks. Okay, so you have these general officers, and I'm, I'm not against all of them. I, I know some, and, I, and they're, they're, they were great people, and they probably still are just confused. And I'm that's what we're trying to get to that to that part to, to make them come to our side. But these generals that, that are climbing and clawing, trying to get to the top of this woke and broken system in order to achieve those senior executive staff jobs, right? They're the problem. Because those jobs are the continuity piece, which which then allows for this continued cycle of climbing to the top, trying to get into the corporatocracy jobs, the Raytheons, the, the Boeings, the Halliburtons, et cetera, on these boards. And everybody, that's just a job, uh, it's just a LinkedIn job fair that's taking place in the in the upper echelons of our military and 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 SES. So those were those would all be gone. And then what we would see is the the current level, which is you know the mine, the O5 level, the lieutenant colonels and the uh, in the navy, the commanders or lieutenant commanders, uh, I think commanders. So we would see that those people that still have touch with the the those below them that still look at their them in the faces and know their families' names. I think that's where the where this witchcraft takes place. Is as soon as you stop, you know caring about your soldiers and looking at your future career than it's uh, than itself over everything else. That's how, that's how it would look to me. And it, and it would, you know, it, it, it would shake things up quite a bit, but I, I know that our, our people, if you see our, our O5 ranks that we are in touch with are completely capable of handling this job. And so if, if president Trump comes in and he's listening to this, put us back in coach. Well, I would even say more than put us back in the challenge. I think we're going to face with president Trump. I was discussing this with some friends last night uh -huh. is not that he doesn't have a heavy hand. I mean, in fact, he's a president that believes in vengeance and it's something I've, I've cautioned about very carefully because on one hand that sounds good until you become a victim of that down the road because you didn't agree. But the other challenge I think we have is that he's very reliant on the status quo of leadership and his willingness and to purge leadership is not going to come from his office. It's definitely going to have to come from within. Now, I do believe that President Trump would support a rather radical shift in leadership if the right people stood around him and informed him what to do and understood and get him to understand the depth of this corruption. But on the face of it, what we've already seen is he tends to rely on existing actors and relies on their experience and thinks that somehow he can trust them and bring them under reign. I don't know that he'll be that same way after having been run through the gauntlet like he has. But nonetheless, I think it's very much something we have to not count on him to be part of a 
DMA type strategy unless he's well informed before he steps into office. Right. I mean, yeah, there, there's going to have to be that. But I think whoever this is, would be, yes, I, I believe that he's learned his lesson there. This is me. I, I think he's a smart guy. I would imagine by now he's figured out who the the bad actors were, the Reince Priebus's and 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 et al that were there behind the, the scenes trying to stab him in the back. So I would say um, we've got to uh, make sure that those positions, you know, his his. Uh, Defense Secretary, that that one right there, his uh, National Security Advisor, those key roles have to be people that are not wishy-washy, but will will come in and clean those ranks out. Those 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 people have to be, you know. Sometimes this name is a little bit uh, polarizing, but I I like General Flynn. I I know him. Um, I I've talked to him. I you know I don't I've been I don't spend a lot of time with him, but he's done that. He's done me right. And he's gotten information to the right people when I needed help. So I'll, I'll just say that. But he, you know, people like that at that level that have the ability to uh, to stand in the gap and and almost, you know, I mean, he almost went to prison. Uh, I respect that. So people argue with me on that, and that's fine. I'll accept it. But I, I look at the man, the character, not what people tell me. Pete, I'm 100% with you on this. I think one of the things that gives him the great strength in this hour and why it would be so important to get him into those places where he can affect that is he stepped out of the rank and rank and file of the of the flag officers and he went into the political space and he took the blows for it. It's given him a completely different optic and I would say a more people's-based optic on our military and our country than any general currently has. And I, and I include with that, and I respect this man immensely, and you know this. I mean, I've served under him, and that's Scotty Miller. And I say that because oh, until you go through the gauntlet of Flynn, and if you remember, I've, and I've showed you that letter, we backed Flynn in the in the letter that we did, which was Kilroy right. Rising, back in 2016, and we had over 100 operators sign on to that letter. We backed President Trump through Flynn's endorsement of him. So I have mm -hmm. tremendous respect for the man. And how this has happened over the last few years, and just the fact that he's been involved in the political space, it is a polarizing space. But we have to Absolutely. look, and we have to look at the heart of the man. Go ahead. Yeah, and there are people that will try to pick apart something that he said, you know, with a, a, some sort of a religious connotation or tone. You know what? I mean, if people picked me apart for all the stuff that I've said on, you know, different various things here, uh, you know, they would probably have me hung by now because I made some mistakes along the way and learned and, and changed. You know, I mean, it's just it's just the nature of this business when you're going from private, quiet, gray space to public space there. You're you're out there. I, I tell people like, you know, why don't you cast the first stone if you're without sin, brother? You know, because uh, we're in the arena over here and I know it's easy to point fingers. So that's where I go with that. I don't worry about what people say. I worry about just one being and that's, you know, my God and Savior. But uh, as far as. Uh, yeah, that situation. I mean, there—that's the people we need. We need the Scotty Millers. I mean, we need them right now. Like, uh, if I could get a phone call with him, I would tell him right now, "You need to come back, sir. We we need you back, like big time." Hundred percent. And I yeah. I love Scotty. I think that if you tamed, uh, if you had a Flynn and a Scotty together up there at top, and you you replace yeah. Austin and and uh, Doughboy Millie with a Flynn Scotty Miller team. We'd have this right. military back on its feet in six months. My personal opinion. Absolutely, I knew that. I knew the day that I saw General Miller walk by, 
with his kit on and his and his M4 himself, which normally they got their PSDs, their personal security details, but he comes through our battle space, like in the field, you know, kitted up for combat. I'm like, okay, this is a general that I would literally follow through a wall, like this guy. And then to know him, you know, just hear him talk. And I had a couple private conversations, but, but the point of it is these leaders lead from the front. And that is what is required right now, because we are so, like I said, remember the marathon analogy. We're, we're trying to get to the end of this thing, and we're going to need everything to line up at the very end of this because it's not going to be an easy fight. And this this going to get kinetic somewhere in this country. It will get kinetic. I will I will put that out there and just say that it won't be me starting it. It'll be me defending myself and and those that are less fortunate. But it's kinetic right now. I mean, look at Portland, look at Chicago, look at these. Those are kinetic operations. Now it may not appear with uniforms and and um, bayonets fixed, but that's what that is. This is a different kind of warfare. We'll just see more of that. These cells that are in the country, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, some of these Venezuelan cells, look, they're here. CCP, they're here. All right. They're going to get kinetic. They've already derailed trains. We know that. I know of two particular incidents uh, with the CCP cats. So we, we are, we're going to get to this end of this marathon. And that doesn't mean that, you know, it just means we saved where we're at. And now we're going to have to like hunker down and go, okay, now how are we going to clean this up? And that's the second phase of this operation. Right now, we just got to make it to the operation. America's in for a real wake-up call. And okay. I don't know that it's a bad thing. I think that in a sense, as much as I don't look forward to this sort of warfare that's going to be happening, it's, it's a true insurgency we're dealing with. And since as you and I have both fought in insurgencies, the difficulty of that type of war is extreme. Most people don't comprehend it. They look towards the ease of and convenience of a sheriff, of a police department, of a military trying to fix it for them, not realizing that these types of, of wars require a very high level of intelligence and, and operational capability to discern and separate the enemy from the masses. And even here, and that's not going to change. And it's going to take an enormous effort and awakening of America to make this happen. Now, the beauty is that I tend to believe that America, once it awakens, mm -hmm. it tends to respond very quickly. And But that is not something we talk in terms of days, but we are going to have to still talk in terms of years and potential generations in this type of warfare. Right. Well, you know, I mean, what's the, what's the uh, Thomas Paine? These are the times that try men's souls. I mean, this is exactly where we're at. I mean, it's uh, it's going to try souls, and it and it's okay. I mean, it, it's it's what's needed. I mean, I I would love right now just to be sitting on a four wheeler or on my horse, actually looking at my cattle out there growing in the you know in the pasture, eating the hay, and then uh, maybe the biggest part of my day is to have to dehorn a few you know a few steer. I mean, maybe that would be the hardest thing I'd have to deal with. I would love to have to do that. But we can't. We're like I, we've got to pick up our muskets, turn around, and walk back to where the shooting is, and, and that's okay. These are the times that we'll try those souls. And not every person is made for this, and that's okay. But every person is made to support this. In that the the opposite of tyranny. Okay, I'm just going to lay it out there. That's what we're supporting. So you choose. It's, these are times to try your souls. That's well said. I mean, we were literally looking at the extremes and wherever you position yourself, there is not going to be anything left in the middle here. You're, you cannot walk a fence on this. And right. I think people still believe they can. 
And part of that walking the fence is to ignore what's going on or try to believe that somehow they're not part of this. Pete, there's a, with all of this, there is a, it is literally the elephant sitting in the middle of the room and it's this mm -hmm. vaccine. There are so many unknowns. You've done a lot of work with Todd Callender. You yourself have been the whistleblower for DOD. You've, ex right. you've studied this injection, what I would rather call a death shot. Yep. And extensively, we are seeing damage across the rank and file of the military from this thing. We know that there's deaths uncounted and far beyond what their numbers are, even here in the United States and abroad. And the damage of this is severe. And there's also Todd Callender's concern that there is a hidden component in this that can be triggered by 5G signal or some sort of frequency signal. What's your mm -hmm. thought on that as a general assessment across the board on the dangers of this injection and, and, the, and this future fight? Yeah, completely straightforward and without getting into uh, to giving up, you know, not giving up, but but just talking too much medical detail, because in that comes the Hegelian dialectic and the argument. Everybody wants to prove their case by data. And I'm going to tell you that firsthand knowledge to me as a fact witness was more effective in the Seals versus Lloyd Austin case than any of the data. Because when I could say I had 6,000 soldiers on the border and the only ones that were sick were the ones that were double vaxxed. Okay, so that's number one. I saw that. How did you keep them safe when they, they didn't get the, uh, you know, they didn't get sick when 12,000 people were coming across a week across the border? None of them were tested. Well, we did lesser intrusive means. Well, what do you mean by that? Preventative medicine. Any other questions, you counselor? No. Okay, get this guy off the stand. Now, that being said, I know enough about this to know it is a bioweapon. It has been used uh, to, you know, create more, more uh, illness, more disease. But also, you know, whether it's whether it's uh, eugenics or not, I don't know. I can't I don't have the crystal ball on that or I don't have the answers to that. But I know that it's, it is debilitating. It has debilitated a large portion of our military. Uh, the ones that I know, you know, fact witness stuff here. I know that all cause cause mortality is through the roofs. We can't deny that across the nations, not just the United States. Uh, and I know that um, that is still an emergency use authorization vaccine it's still a experimental not even vaccine drug okay so those are knowns we're not arguing any of that so what are we going to do about it well we're going to stop allowing this chemical warfare this biologic warfare to take place number two i'm going to add in there because people need to understand this uh, and this is going to go on the lines because we're talking about warfare here um that the fentanyl that comes across our border that is and to me to me, that is considered chemical warfare, all right? It's chemical warfare. The chemicals coming across killing people in America, sometimes laced with trank, which is horse tranquilizer, It sometimes it's not. But that's the cases where they just fall over and die using it one time. All right, well, if the Chinese, the CCP, are reversing the, the old uh, 1820s opium wars, right? If they're reversing that, that, those techniques, tactics, and practices, that model, this is exactly what's happening. So that this is a chemical warfare. So now you've got these two different kind of biologic chemical warfare. Uh, we can go with the EMF, you know, that is a kind of a electromagnetic warfare that that can cause you everything from uh, you know hearing problems to you know death. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen it used in that case, but I've seen some some uh, people in Australia that got hit pretty hard by a, a EMF by a tower. Uh, physically saw saw them saw the saw the damages. So. Are, are these things all, you know, in play in places? Yes. I think they're they're not as far advanced as we thought originally, but they're still there. But the shots, no doubt, 
And this this has to be stopped across the board. And it's not just the the COVID shots. This is, you know, the new influenza shot or the uh, Combivax. You know, these are the the games, the shell games that will continue to be played until we change that leadership. Yeah, the layers of warfare, I think, is where people get very unsettled. Because in this current dimension of fight, there are unprecedented layers that are attacking the human species, the human genome as well. I think what people need to remember, and this gets us back to the center point of all things, is the power of our faith. And when you speak as a as a lieutenant colonel, I'm just a commander, a front point on this fight. The one thing that I hope people are hearing is the strength in your faith. Talk a bit about that. Strength in my faith. Uh, you know, I, I I think it's just I don't have a choice. Um, we we talked about this. I think it might have been at at the. Uh, I know we spoke spoke about it up there in the California redwood forest area. Um, once you've seen the glory. You can't unsee it, you know, and that's where the faith really has been emboldened is, you know, how do we make it through so many things in life? And everybody has that story. I was almost hit by a car. My truck was almost blown up by an IED or it was blown up, but I survived. I walked away. We have these stories. And then, and if, until you attribute, attribute them to the fact that God still has a plan for you, then you're never really going to advance in your, in your, in your walk until you really realize that. But then now you lay it on top of the other things in life that just happen that that the plans that have been laid out before you and they come to fruition or they don't or you've got to fight or you don't but you still end up moving forward through the glory and it's like looking at you know a long hallway at night with a pair of night vision goggles on and the little tiny bit of light the sliver that comes under the door just blinds you uh you and that's all you've ever seen you can't unsee that and that's where I get excited about it because I know that that uh, God has a plan, and that's what emboldens me. That's what you know gives me strength to move forward and to bring those other ones with me. You know that will that are willing to come. I don't I don't uh, you know Bible thump anybody or I don't judge anybody either. You know I I was right there where they are now, so we're center of them all. But uh, that's that's where the faith moves forward. The martyrdom spirit. You did a recent piece as a letter to America. You ended it ended it with victory or death. Corey Terry sent me a birthday message from the point of the Delaware crossing with George Washington. Their call uh-huh. and response was victory or death. That's right. Let's talk about it. Yeah, the William Barrett Travis, you know, from the walls of the uh, Alamo when he was surrounded, that's where I got it from. I, I actually wrote the uh, Travis letter. Uh, you know, it starts off with fellow citizens compatriots were besieged on all sides by any enemies under Santa Ana. And it goes on to say at the end, we will we will die here, you know, like soldiers. If there's no if you do not come to our aid with all dispatch. Well, that's kind of where I felt I was in numerous times in Iraq and, you know, Afghanistan. So I wrote the Travis letter on walls around collats and buildings that I was, you know, posted up in where I was sleeping. And uh, that that became kind of a, a, a rally cry or, you know, a. Like if this ends up being the Alamo, then this is where I'm at. You know, the the Pashtuns say Dagaz Damaidan, which is I learned this from a guy up there in Pakistan. And he said that when they were fighting the Brits, it says Dagaz Damaidan, which is this is the place where we will fight and maybe die. I mean, that's the intent of that 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 statement. They have statements throughout history. Uh, Malone Lave, come and take it. You know, in the, Thermo- the battle of Thermopylae, Persians and Spartans. Uh, you know, then the then the 
the Texans came out with, you know, come and take it on their cannon, which is taken from that. So we see these moments. Thomas Paine, I mean, he talks about that in his, you know, Summer Soldier. Yeah, we, we, we are at that time such as this. And this is that Esther moment. But this one is, yeah, this is exigent. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely a moment where people have to decide. Decide. Yes, sir. And, and I think that when we look at the culture that we're at, we used to be a warrior culture. And you just hit what the discussion of the postures, which is a warrior culture. Uh-huh. Talk about those values and those ethos that exist within a warrior culture that we need to revive. Right. I would say that's pretty interesting. Yeah, the uh, Pashtun Wali, which is their their code, if you will, that's that's one. And it's more of a uh, very localized tribal code. But there's a lot of honor in that, um, you know, treating your, your captured enemy well or taking care of them. They're, now they're under your care, you know, that type of thing. Um, you know, it's us against them. Whether and, th- and this is a very important point. I think we could pull something out of this Pashtun Wally. Um, you know, it's it's me against you. It's us in this village against that village. It's us two villages against those outsiders. It's all of us in these collective villages in this particular area against, let's say, what they would consider the infidel, us coming over. Okay, so collectively, despite their differences, they they massed, they came together, and they fought, and they won. I would hate to say this, but they, they kicked us out uh, because we allowed it. Um, but... Yeah, that's that's what that's what being a warrior is. You you get over your differences as a people, as a people now. Not talking about soldiers in uniform. I'm talking about people stepping up as as you know, summer soldiers uh, or winter soldiers. Uh, really, patriots. Uh, you know, th- there is such a thing as a militia in the in the Constitution, a well organized militia, and the state of Texas has one, and the state of Florida has one. It's the state guard. Um, so those are those are already stood up. Um, but I would say that we've got to adopt that stepping beyond the colors of red and blue and still pulling that fence together with come along and fixing it, you know, ratcheting it up and bringing both those sides together to ward off this tyranny. You've hit on something really key here, and that's the idea of of taking more local action, we start to look at the current state of things. And where I currently stand is the most powerful system we have exists in our counties. And with the authority of the sheriff, it's a, if it's a properly charged constitutional sheriff with a properly charged DA and county commission, that literally you're, you become a, a nation state within a nation. And with that, we have the authorities, even at a county level, to bring many of these people to justice and to to do what is correct to do. I'd be interested in your thoughts here. This is something Ivan Ranklin brought up, and I'm in, in agreement. We had a good discussion. You know I've been a big push on county-by-county county action to literally uh-huh. get down to the local level. I'm also pushing harder this year to make sure that we set up informational cells and intelligence cells at a county level, and ultimately seeing that marry in with localized militias that marry in with the sheriff. But we have to get back to a citizens-based program, even citizens' grand juries. In that model, which is not going to be a rapid change, but it does seem to be a, a very core change, it would seem to me that we could overcome much of this current threat by 
getting us back to the very strength of our nation, which is the sheriff. What's your thought? Okay, yeah, there, there's definitely, um, you're hitting something there that, that I'm very attuned to, which is the constitutional sheriffs. But it's not just saying that. It's You really got you really to know them. I mean, you got to get out there and say, okay, our guy's a constitution. I hear it all the time. And out of 254, I think, counties in Texas, I know of about 18 constitutional sheriffs that I know completely that I would trust. And that's okay. That's better than zero. Um, and so we, we, we've got to look at, you know, the, the things that, you know, Ann Bandersteel is talking about tactical civics. And we got Jaron Jackson, who is just killing it over there on the, uh, on the, the we, the people, you know, uh, common law. I mean, it's just amazing what he, what he's doing. And so we, we've got to look at these, these folks, these citizen grand juries is a very significant portion of this fight because while there are those of us that may be standing opposed physically standing opposed on the border or doing something for a neighborhood there needs to be as many people doing their civic duties that's a requirement by the way civic duties uh in that regard so that we can bring back the common law courts because they they left in texas i think back in the 70s and you know there's no more common law courts there that was a thing now we have the admiralty courts which is uh you know the bar and uh, as people start to wake into that, uh, it's not my specialty, but I'm fully aware of it. Um, that's that's where we need those those people to step up. Look at Jaron Jackson. I mean, we you've had him on. I mean, he, people look at his stuff and uh, and understand he's a he's a godsend. Well, he's going to be on the show here very soon, so I'm anxious to have him on. And naturally, he was at Bard's Fest, and he's been a powerful voice getting people educated on common law. I think, again, what's at the core of his message is the core of this message is people have to get informed. We're past the point of having someone else fix this for us. Yeah, get get informed and, and get, you know, get in the word, get in the spirit. I mean, I, I can't say it enough times. I mean, I sound like a preacher, but I'm, I'm you know, uh, maybe I am. I don't know, but I'm, I'm a well-armed preacher. <laughs> Well, Pete, I wonder if that isn't more true to the nature of everything. I mean, the whole country was built from the pulpit. And it would just seem to me that we've lost that perspective of scriptural foundations also are the word in war. We really have stepped away from the biblical framing of what war is. War becomes somehow outside of the concept of scripture, which in fact, I argue that war should only come from the hand of God. And therefore, it has to root itself in scripture. So I was looking at the scriptures and in, in Proverbs specifically and uh, trying to find, you know, where, where's the healthy fear of God? You know, the kind of the father that loves you, but you, you still respect it's, it's more of a respect thing. But when it comes to sin and, and, and things that you just try to figure out, well, where are we, where are we at with this as far as the, the fear of God? And it really boiled down to, for me was to love God and hate sin. Because if you hate what God hates and you love what he loves, then nothing else really, you know, should stand in the way of decision-making processes. And, and so those are kind of the, the, the measuring sticks for that for me. The temperature gauges, the, the thermometer is just look at those things. And if it's pedophilia, well, pretty much he's not going to like it. Maybe we need to stamp it out, you know, et cetera, whatever the, you name the, the problem set. Love what God loves, hate what God hates. It's been one of the most powerful verses that I've been using lately, a lot of, because I think it's one of those most difficult places to discern. In order to do that, we really have to have the heart of the Father. So I'm going to let you kind of have some last thoughts here as you speak 
to people and you can even bring in the word that you have of the importance of the hour that we're in. And I think that scripture frames a lot of where we are. Yeah, yeah I, I do too. Uh, thank you for the time today. You know, it's, it's always nice to, to come back and be able to bear your soul sometimes and it's, and it's helpful. Um, for me, you know, just I'll leave it with the word again that we, we collectively, uh, intercessors and myself, just kind of, I put it together as I collected these things, but it's a warning to warriors and it's remember that one time when the coward rode in, that one time when a coward rode in, when the threatened danger had been abated was, you know, after the battle and then tried to pretend like they missed it rather than they avoided it. These cowards are not neutral. Okay? They will murder their own flesh and blood to get what they want and yours as well if you don't stop them in their tracks. And those of false religion and, 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 and false uh, power brokers uh, will try to glom on to the warrior because it's, it's, it's something they just, they, there's a lot of energy that comes from, they want to glom on to you. Um, but this is not Jesus. Jesus is a fulfillment of love and courage. And religion itself, religiosity is dead, as is the coward. It will, and, and this coward will attempt to murder anyone or anything it cannot control. Watch yourselves now. Watch your brothers and sisters. All other evil is child's play compared to the evil that murdered Christ. The Pharisees, false pastors of his day, uh, put him on that cross. Hear, perceive, and understand. Warning to the warriors. That's good, Pete. Hey, do me a favor and send that over to me, too, after the show, would you? Sure. Well, Pete, we always close with a prayer, but before we do that, where can people follow you, and how can they support you? You know, if you want to follow me, get on a horse and come down here to the border. But if you can't do it that way, uh, drpetechambers.com, drpetechambers.com. And really, there's there's links to get you everywhere else. So it's pretty easy. Well, Pete, I'm going to close with a prayer if that's okay. Yes, sir. Father God, I just want to thank you this morning for this time that we've had. And truly a true warrior of kingdom. We just pray for Doc Pete Chambers and keeping him safe and his team safe and to continuing to raise up that next generation of warriors, which really roots itself in Jeremiah 6.16, the ancient paths, truly understanding the power of faith and our commitment in all things you as we step forward into some very uncertain fights and, and face the impossible. This is truly the hours of, of David's and the hours of Gideon's, and we need the heart of Joshua's to be able to face an enemy that continues to try to infiltrate or worse hide in the shadows and hide around us with the heart of the cowards. We know well that kingdom has no patience for cowards. So, Father, we pray for discernment. We pray for clarity. We pray for the heart, your heart in all of us, to literally see the world as you see it, to love what you love, to hate what you hate, and to be able to walk with that authority and that clarity in each and every step. And we pray that blessing upon Pete and his team as they face very difficult and, and dynamic times with a battlefield that continues to change and the difficulty of discerning that which is true evil with that which is friend. So, Father, bless them and guide them. And as a nation, we take this moment to pray that the words that are spoken here, spoken by the front line of one of America's great warriors, will resonate in the hearts of the many to understand the criticality of where we are in the heart of the warrior that's needed in order to go forward. Let those words resonate deep. Let them awaken the true warrior Christ within them. And let us now rise as the body of Christ with the confidence and authority which you give us, understanding that we step into this place fearlessly and be
being able to speak your word and use the anchor and foundation of the word itself as one of the greatest weapons of war. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, sir. Well, Pete, it's always a pleasure, obviously. I mean, you're doing great work. You're doing God's work down there. And uh, just hope that if you need anything, you're going to let us know because we'll be there to support. I know you will, brother. All well, right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Amen. God bless you, man. God bless. Patriots, I was Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers. He is uh, truly one of the great American heroes of our time. He's a patriot. He's given a lot to this fight and continues to fight every single day, relentless in his pursuit of securing our nation, even if he had to do it literally one by himself with a dog and a horse. This is a really important time to take these words very deep into your heart. We have become accustomed in our time to being tolerant of way too much. And one of those things we are tolerant of is cowards. The problem with cowardness is that cowardness is what he says. It becomes that deceitful enemy that slips into your ranks. People that are afraid to stand up now will later try to join in and try to corrupt the things because they themselves don't have the courage to stand up in a time. Let me give you a relevant example of this, and that would be the parents who have marched their children into the ball and mullock sacrifices of transgenderism to have their children mutilated and have their children's gender literally surgically removed. These parents will defend that right and they will continue to fight for that, that decision because if they choose to accept what they did, it would be the horrors of having to realize that as a parent, they were too cowardice to stand up for what was right. And instead they gave in to the evil and they destroyed the greatest gift that they could have ever been given, their children. Those people will become deceitful. They will become people you must always watch because very few of them will be able to confront the true nature of seeking the forgiveness before the Father for the damage which they have done. But this idea in our country is pervasive almost over every domain right now. Border patrol agents that willfully allow people to infect our country while they complain on the side but abide by the union rules or the pension rules of the, of the government. Airlines that are moving child children around this nation for profit and not and thinking they're going to somehow escape the accountability of child sex trafficking to include the pilots, to include the airline stewardesses, to include the gate agents. The level of moral bankruptcy in our nation is unbelievable. It is going to take a remnant. It is going to take a mighty hand of God. It is going to take us holding a moral line and becoming more true to the walk of Christ. And to remember, this is the Christ that we speak of that flips tables, not only heals and not only loves, but knows when to flip tables and step in and speak truth to power. Patriots, thank you for staying with us tonight. Have a blessed evening. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the Oh, I 
Close to me, look how 